this is Jen McDiarmid, nutritional therapist, and welcome to the second podcast looking at how we can use nutrition to help to support our physical and emotional well-being. Now, this podcast is following on from podcast one when we talked about the principles of rainbow eating, and we're going to be thinking about boosting up our immune system. It is getting colder and wetter outside and the seasons are definitely changing. So it's a brilliant time now to be thinking about if there's things that we can do to try and get our immune system to be as robust as possible, to really try and help us to fight off any seasonal bugs that might be coming our way. But actually, if we think about boosting up our immune system, not only can we think about it in terms of short-term well-being, but actually the more we can support our immunity, the more it will actually involve reducing something called inflammation in the body and actually when we start to reduce inflammation in the body it really can try to help protect our future well-being as well. So we are going to be focusing on seasonal bugs this podcast but knowing that any principles that we're going to be adopting and that we're going to be using are actually going to really support our long-term well-being as well. Now thinking about the immune system is something that we are really aware about especially post-pandemic and post-covid. Lots of people are really starting to be much more aware about the seasonal bugs that are around, about washing our hands, about whether we still wear face masks or whether we're choosing not to wear them. So what we want to do is use the information that we've learned maybe and what the pandemic has taught us But now let's think about our own individual circumstances and really think about what we can do to try and make ourselves as strong as possible. I won't mention the word COVID anymore during this podcast, and it really is instead thinking about trying to make ourselves as strong as possible for whatever bugs might come along about whatever situation that we're in. Before we finish mentioning the pandemic um, very quickly, Lots of people have been talking about our immune systems this year and whether everything we've been through in terms of lockdown, in terms of isolation, you know, reduced social activity, and if that can actually have a negative impact and mean that our immune system is more depleted than usual. I know last year there were reports that were being published to say that they had, you know, the lowest rates of flu going around and that lots of parents who have got children said it was the first year that their children hadn't picked up sickness bugs from school because we were having that reduced time and because people were so much more aware about washing hands, wearing face masks, keeping space, staying outdoors a lot more. If our immune systems have been withdrawn and removed and our bodies have been from socialising, it can mean that actually we might be in a slower starting place in terms of our immunity this year. Often when we're interacting socially, we're seeing people, we're outdoors, we're in different settings, we will start to get exposed to lots of harmless bacteria, lots of different bugs and things that are going around that actually are harmless for the body, but they do keep the immune system stimulated and keep the immune system activated. When we have been removed and when we have been in this much more sterilised environment, it can mean that our immune system isn't working as well as it could be because it hasn't needed to. So actually thinking about some of these principles, and they're not all nutrition-based, can actually be a really good thing in order to help make sure our immune system is as robust as possible. So when we think about these things, we are going to be thinking about some key nutrients, we're going to be thinking about some eating patterns, but we're also going to be starting to think about maybe some lifestyle things that you can start to implement as well. As I always say with any of the podcasts that I'm doing and with any information that I'm sharing, 
Don't think you've got to make all of these changes at once. Don't feel overwhelmed by it. It really is here to give you the information that you need and then you can make as many changes as you feel comfortable with without putting any pressure or any stress on yourself. And actually any one of these changes can make a really big difference in supporting your immune system. And you might find that there's lots that you're already doing and you can just take this as reassurance to know that actually you're already in a really positive place. So let's kick off then and first of all, let's not focus on something that's nutrition based, but let's focus on actually our levels of exercise. Now exercise, as we know, is something that is really good for our physical well-being. It gets blood flow moving, you know, it helps to build up lean muscle mass. It can help in terms of reducing body fat percentage. It can really help in terms of our lung capacity, but actually from an emotional well-being uh, point as well. If we start to do more exercise, it can really help us to decompress. It can help us to process thoughts and feelings and things that have happened during the day. It gives us time to reflect, but actually it can really help to boost up the production of our serotonin and the endorphin and all those really good feel-good hormones that actually can really help to lift our mood. As we're going into these autumn and winter months, the clocks start to change, the mornings start to get darker, the afternoons start to get darker, and people can notice from an emotional point of view, your mood can really start to drop down. So if you're not doing much exercise at the moment, then it might be time to start to think about increasing that up. Now, when I talk about exercise, I am not saying that you need to be going to the gym five times a week and to be you know, really beasting it at the gym and really going high intensity. If we're thinking about your immune system, actually, you might want to think, if it's safe for you to do so, and the weather holds out, actually getting outdoors a bit more. If we are going outdoors and we are breathing in lots of fresh air, we're naturally going to start to get to exposed to lots of the different bacteria that's in the air that we breathe, that's in the plants that are around us. And it's all of those harmless bacteria and all of that fresh air that can really start to stimulate and to build up the immune system. If we're using exercise for the immune system, we don't actually want to be going really hardcore and really intense. Actually, if you just did that really hardcore exercise all the time and we're always pushing your body to achieve the next health goal, the next exercise goal, the fastest 10K, whatever your goal is, actually that level of exercise, that intensity, creates stress in the body and it does involve you releasing the hormone cortisol and adrenaline, which are the stress hormones, and they can actually start to deplete your immune system. We don't want to have too much of that stress response in the body. If instead you started to do a fast-paced walk or you started to do outdoor yoga or Tis more activities such as gardening, it really can actually start to expose ourselves to these harmless bacteria. It gets us out in that fresh air and it gets our bodies moving and the blood flow around the body moving. When we start to get that blood flow moving, we're starting to move something around the body called the lymph as well. And the lymph is really linked with your immune system because it's the system in the body and all of the lymph nodes that actually help the body to get rid of anything we don't want to have in there, whether it's toxins or dead bacteria or anything along those lines. So if we are really sedatory, if we're sitting at a desk all the time, if we're not moving, if we're not doing that walking and getting out in the fresh air, 
not only are we reducing our exposure to different bacteria that we need, but actually it means with inside the body, inside our systems, things aren't moving around as quickly as we want, which really can start to impact our immune system. So thinking about moving that lymph, thinking about you know releasing those feel-good hormones, getting out in that fresh air can really start to do such a big impact on our immune system and our overall feelings of well-being. And it really can be as simple as a 20 minute walk a day. If you get a lunch break, quickly go for a walk then, maybe after work if you can. You know, it might be sitting and doing some indoor exercise and having the back doors open before it starts to get too cold. So anything that fits in with your lifestyle, anything that fits in with, you know, your current state of health, don't get stressed around it. And you know, when we talk about exercise, it really can be simple extra bits of movement. Just increasing your steps can start to make a really big difference. It doesn't have to be these really intense exercise programs. Now, if anybody wants to take it to the next level and really start to think about supporting their body overall, you can start to do something called earthing, which is going outside and doing lots of walking, but actually barefoot walking. Now, it might sound a bit hippie, I fully appreciate, but there's actually over seven peer-reviewed studies that are now being published to show that if we start to connect to the earth a bit more and we start to use the positive electrons from the earth, it can really make a very big impact on our overall well-being. And actually where we have started to become much more removed from the earth and we're using technology and screens and shoes and clothing so much more, our body isn't having that same connection that it did before. Look into this barefoot walking, look into earthing, and again, it's a very simple thing that you can do that can make a big difference. You can even get earthing mats that you can put on your feet when you're sitting down at the desk, that can go under your computer screen, that can go under the bed, which can all have that same impact to start to get our bodies much more connected back to the earth, and that can really make a big difference. So just things to think about. Let's start to think about movement. Let's start to think about exercise. Let's start to think about getting out in the fresh air to really start to stimulate the body. Now, alongside walking and being out in the fresh air, the more fresh air and outdoor exposure we get, the more we are likely to get a little bit more vitamin D. Now, vitamin D is the sunshine vitamin, and as we go into these darker months, it's one of the vitamins that we can really start to get depleted in. In fact, they do show that at least one in five people in the UK are vitamin D deficient, simply because we are not getting the same level of exposure to the bright sunshine as we would have done before. Now, vitamin D has got lots of different roles in the body. We often think about it in terms of healthy bones, and when you look at lots of dairy products such as children's yogurts, you will often see they're fortified with vitamin D because it helps our body to absorb the calcium. Vitamin D is also really important for hormone production. It's really important for nerve and blood flow around the body, but it's also got a very specific role in terms of our immunity. And if we start to get low levels of vitamin D, it means that our immune system can start to become impaired. So if we come into contact with different bugs, different bacteria, maybe a parasite, our body won't have that same robust immune response as it would do if our vitamin D levels were at optimum level. I know there was a lot of questions and research around vitamin D and the coronavirus, but I'm talking about vitamin D and our immune response to everything overall. Now, 
if we want to boost up our levels of vitamin D, I would actually recommend, if you can, to try and work out where your vitamin D levels are to begin with. If you feel that they might be deficient, you can speak to your GP to see if they can get tested. If not, you might want to consider getting a home test kit, and you can order those through a company called Seriscreen. You can get them from Amazon and lots of other you know, good home testing kits, and they're normally roughly around 30 pounds. They will send a little kit in the post to you. You can do a quick pinprick test, send off the results, and then they will write back to you to let you know where your vitamin D levels are. Now, it's not essential you need to do this, but I'm just letting you know that it's there as an option. One of the reasons to think about doing it is because, as I said, so many of us are actually vitamin D deficient without even realising. And signs of low levels of vitamin D are ones that can quite often be missed and ones that can actually be mistook for other different deficiencies or other different symptoms. Vitamin D deficiency can give you headaches, it can make your energy levels start to go low, it can mean that your mood starts to become quite flat, and you can just start to feel, you know, you've lost that zest for life, but you don't really quite know what's going on. If you don't want to get your vitamin D levels tested or you can't get your vitamin D levels tested and we're not going to easily be getting lots of good sunshine exposure onto our body, you can start to think about boosting up food sources of vitamin D. Now these are quite limited, you can get them in egg yolks, you can get them in mushrooms, especially if you put mushrooms on the windowsill before cooking with them. And you can also get them in four to five products, a bit like I said with the children's yogurt. They are quite limited in terms of getting enough vitamin D. So you might actually want to consider, if it is safe for you to do so, getting a vitamin D3 supplement. Now, if you want to start to take one and it is safe for you to do so, you can always double check with me or anybody else who's qualified to make sure that it is safe for you to take. You want to start to think about taking it now and especially when the clocks change in October and we start to get much darker days. Take it over the winter months to make sure your vitamin D levels are topped up. And then when the clocks change in the spring, you can stop taking it then, when hopefully we'll be getting lots more vitamin D through the natural process of absorbing sunshine through our skin. Now, if you do take a vitamin D3 supplement, it is recommended to take around 4,000 international units, which is the measurement that vitamin D normally comes in every single day. If you can try and get a liquid form of vitamin D, just because then your body will absorb it straight into your bloodstream in much the same way that we would normally absorb vitamin D through the reaction of sunshine on our skin. Whereas if you have it in a tablet form and it needs to go through our digestive system, we're going to be digesting it and processing it in a slightly different way, which makes it a little bit less efficient. But please get in contact if you want any more advice looking around this with vitamin D because it can be quite overwhelming. Now, thinking about immunity and thinking about vitamins, there is one that always jumps out and people always know about, and that is vitamin C. And it's absolutely true. Vitamin C is a really important vitamin to be thinking about. It is what they call the master antioxidant, as in it is, you know, one of the biggest players in supporting our body at cellular level. Not only does it support our immune system, but it can really help to alkalize the body. It really supports the body at cellular level, and it really helps the body just be really strong and robust. So getting a really optimal amount of vitamin C is going to be really important over these coming months.
Now, lots of people might wait until they're feeling a bit run down and think, well, I've got the early signs of a cold coming. You know, I think I need to boost up my vitamin C now. So I'll have a bit of extra Barocca in the morning or I'll start to boost up my vegetable content a little bit or I'll have an extra orange. Now, vitamin C will support the body, but it does take around five days to actually activate in the body and to build up that immune response. So don't wait until you're already feeling run down before you start to boost up your vitamin C levels because there's every chance if you do that, it's going to be a bit too late to help you fight whatever's going on. But instead, really focus on boosting up your vitamin C now. You can get vitamin C in lots of different fruits and vegetables. And as we know from podcast one, when we talked about the principles of rainbow eating, you really want to get that good variety coming in. If you do cook, it can deplete some of the levels of these key vitamins, but actually what's really important is just getting them in. So we will talk about cooking methods in a second, but really focus on that rainbow color eating, getting that variety of fruits and vegetables in, and then you should naturally be getting all the vitamin C that your body needs. If you do think you need an extra booster or you want to take an extra booster, just do it on a short-term basis because with all vitamins and minerals, in an ideal way, we'd get them into our body through the food that we're eating. So with things like vitamin C, just have it as a short-term boost, get it going now while you're making some nutritional changes. Now thinking about cooking methods, as I've just mentioned, it is getting colder outside. And I know that lots of people can get quite concerned about if you're cooking with fruits and vegetables, does it deplete their nutrient content and what should we be doing? But actually let's think about getting some enjoyment from the food that we're having. And as we go into the colder seasons, not many of us really want to be eating cold salads in the evening. And you know, it's, we're designed to want to go into this sort of happy hibernation mode where we want to start to get really nourishing food into the body and we want it to be comforting and want it to really, you know, help to make the body thrive, but to really feel warm and comforted. When we start to think about those sorts of meals, we can be thinking about soups, we can be thinking about stews, and now is a brilliant time to be actually cracking out the slow cooker that might be lurking at the back of your cupboard, or if you don't have one, thinking about buying one. There are so many recipes that are around now for slow cooking, and they can be absolutely brilliant at this time of year in order to take preparation out of your head. They're ones that you can put on, the food can cook slowly during the day, so by the time it comes to the evening, it can be ready for you to eat. Lots of people actually put the slow cooker on when they get home from work so that the food is cooking during the course of the evening. They turn it off just before they go to bed and then they reheat that food the next day quickly so they're not having to leave the slow cooker on all day if they're out and about teaching or they're at work. When you use things like the slow cooker, you're using casserole dishes, anything along those lines, you're often making something that's got a liquid to it. And if you are cooking lots of different veggies in there, any of the nutrients that are lost into the liquid, if they're being reused as a sauce, as a stock, and as a gravy, it means you will be recycling and getting those key vitamins and minerals coming back into the body, which is brilliant. If you were a, instead, say, for example, boiling things or steaming things, we often pour away that water that has got lots of those key nutrients that have been leaked into it. So even if you were just thinking about your cooking methods, even if it's starting to get these things where you're reusing the liquid, that will make a really big difference in starting to get lots of these key nutrients in. 
Again, if you want to take it to the next level, a bit like I talked about with the bone broth, uh, with the barefoot walking, sorry, you can start to think about maybe making some bone broth. Now, bone broth is something that was really popular a few generations ago when we weren't wasting things and we were starting to reuse every part of everything that we were buying. And if you use the principles of bone broth, this is brilliant for anybody who maybe has already got a slightly depleted immune system. It's great for older people who maybe have got a decreased appetite, so actually trying to get lots of these nourishing foods in can be more challenging. For young children who may be starting to wean food or have got quite immature immune systems because they haven't had chance to get in contact with lots of different things before. What you want to do is get a carcass. I often use a chicken carcass because it is one that breaks down quite easily. And say you're making a roast dinner on a Sunday, use the, the meat, strip it off from the carcass, but don't throw those bones away. Instead, the next day, put it either into a casserole dish or into a slow cooker with just an inch or two of water, put the lid on it and put it on to cook on a slow heat and you want to cook it for a really good amount of time until the bones literally start to break down. Now, I know this sounds a little bit like witchcraft, but I promise it is really good for you. When the bones start to break down, they will start to release so many key nutrients into the fluid around them. This would be nourishing your body on a whole different scale. Keep cooking those bones until they have really, really started to break down. And that can be anything from six, eight, 10, even 12 hours until they've really started to disintegrate. When that happens, pour the liquid over a sieve so you're starting to get rid of any of the bones that are there and you're left with this really nourishing stock. Now you could use that to make a really powerful soup. You could put it into anything that you're making to make it into a stock or you can actually pour that liquid into ice cube trays and freeze it. And then every time you're cooking something, say you're making a soup or spaghetti bolognese or a shepherd's pie or anything along those lines, you can simply pop one of those ice cube frozen bone broth cubes into that meal that you're having, that you're serving the family, to the serving young children, to your parents, and actually what you're doing is really nourishing your body without having to change your eating patterns. And that little cube of bone broth really can start to nourish the body, really give the immune system all of those key minerals that it needs to really make sure it's robust. And actually you only need to make the bone broth maybe once a month and those little ice cube stocks will actually last you that long because it does go quite a long way. So again, it's not something that you have to do, but if you want to look into it, it's a brilliant thing to do. And there is a recipe on my website that goes into much more detail about it. Now, when we're thinking about feeling a bit run down and we're thinking about what can we do, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, I've already started to get the coughs and colds that are going around, I'm already starting to feel a bit concerned and feel a bit vulnerable, one thing that you might want to think about addressing when you feel the early signs of feeling run down is actually your sugar intake. Now, I'm not here to say you need to start to cut sugar out and you can't have any more sugar at all, but sugar really depletes the immune system, especially in the hours after eating it. And the research shows that if you eat some sugar, your immune system can be depleted by up to 60% for seven to nine hours after eating that sugary product. So if you're noticing that your immune system is already, you know, under attack and it's already needing to work a bit harder, 
what you can do is think about maybe having a couple of sugar-free days to help your immune system to do the job it needs to do and to fight off whatever it's trying to fight off rather than having that sugar meaning your immune system is going to start to get depleted and then it's going to be even harder for it to fight off what it's fighting off and there's a greater chance that actually you're going to start to feel a bit worse than you would do so as i said i'm not here to say don't ever eat sugar again but it's just a little top tip to think about and it's a really good one with children as well if they're starting to feel a bit run down maybe just think about what they're eating and what they're snacking on try to give their body a little bit of respite for a couple of days before then just returning back to your normal balanced eating patterns. Now the last couple of bits that we can think about, first of all it's about protein and then lastly it will be thinking about gut health. Now in terms of protein, protein is a really important food group and it's one that's used in the body for so many different processes but its umbrella name is healing and repairing. So if we think about the role of our immune system and we're thinking about healing and repairing the body, it's really important to make sure that we get an optimal amount of protein coming into our eating patterns. Now this doesn't mean you're having to eat steaks for breakfast and you know lots of really big heavy meat foods. Actually we get protein in so many different food groups and they don't have to all be animal based. In fact at the moment there's so much going on about actually going more plant based because we're thinking about the environment and we're thinking about packaging and processing and waste and cost and actually going more plant-based eating is a really positive thing to do. So if we're thinking about plant-based eating and we're thinking about protein, it's looking at your nuts and seeds, which are easy things to have at home in the evenings. They're not always the easiest thing to take into schools because of allergies. It is thinking about things like your chickpeas, your lentils, your cannellini beans, your black beans. So that could be looking at things like having hummus as part of a snack if you're able to. It could be thinking about actually looking at maybe a few dairy products. So you could go down the cottage cheese route, you could go down the natural yogurt route. It could be looking at having some protein powder. So having a smoothie that's got some protein powder in. And there's lots of different variations out there from pea protein and hemp protein. So you can get really good natural ones that don't have all of the added extras that lots of you know bodybuilding proteins can have. And it can be looking at having animal products as well. So it's a really good opportunity to start to think about mixing and matching and starting to do some research into maybe small plant-based eating. A really good rule of thumb in terms of protein intake would be to make sure that you're having protein as part of every meal you're having and if you have a snack to make sure there's protein in there as well. So say for example you have a bowl of cereal or a bowl of porridge in the morning, there might not be any protein in there. So add in some chopped nuts, add in some toasted seeds, maybe stir in some ground almonds if you're having some porridge or have a little smoothie afterwards that's got some protein powder in. If you're having a jacket potato at lunchtime, maybe have some baked beans alongside it, maybe have some cheese with it to make sure that you're getting that protein rather than maybe just having butter on it like you might normally do. It could be in the evenings, if you're having a snack and you were going to have some fruit, maybe put some natural yogurt with it, maybe put a handful of nuts, maybe some peanut butter on your apple. So it's again, not really big changes, but it's just thinking about those little added extras that we want to do. And then lastly, and it is a really big subject that we will cover bit by bit during this podcast series, 
is looking at your gut health and how things are functioning for you. Now, gut health is so important for our overall health and well-being, but we do also house over 70% of our immunity in our gut. So what you want to do is really be thinking about do you have any signs that maybe your guts aren't working as well as they could be? And these can be signs from anything from bloating after eating, there could be excessive flatulence, you might have constipation or diarrhea or urgency to go to the toilet. You might notice actually maybe your upper digestive system isn't working as well as it could be. So maybe you're getting you know, heartburn, indigestion, reflex or belching quite a lot. Other signs of having bacteria imbalance in the gut can be really systemic. So dark circles under your eyes, brain fog, low mood, you know, low energy, feeling quite flat and depressed or even anxious, and sleep problems as well all come under the umbrella of having, you know, problems with gut bacteria, as well as spots, athlete's foot, you know, fungal toenail infection. Again, these all come back to your gut health. So let's really think about what is going on. Is your body telling you there's any signs of imbalance? And if there are, definitely get in contact with me or start to do a little bit of research to think about maybe what's going on. If your diet's quite high in sugar, quite high in caffeine, if you've got a very stressful lifestyle, if you've had lots of antibiotics, they're all signs that your gut bacteria levels are probably going to be out of balance. So I would say start to reduce your sugar intake, make sure that your body's fully hydrated, and then make sure you're starting to get lots of fiber through whole grains, through lots of fruits and vegetables, to really help feed the positive bacteria to start to rebalance any imbalance in there. Start to get maybe some probiotic foods in. So they could be through supplement form. It could be through live bio natural yogurt. It could be through kefir or kombucha or fermented foods like sauerkraut, which are really good at helping to create lots of positive bacteria in the gut. Or if you think you're ticking quite a few boxes and actually there might be something going on, we might need to look and go a few steps back to think about doing something to kill off maybe the overgrowth of negative bacteria that might be in there or the overgrowth of yeast and sugar. And that could be looking at things like caprylic acid or oregano oil. But if we need to go down those routes, just drop me a note and my details are on the um, link where you click on the podcast and we can have a chat to go through things in detail. There's some really good research out there. Um, Tim Spector, who does the Zoe app, he's on Instagram and there's loads of information about gut health on there. Dr. Michael Mosley has done a brilliant book called The Clever Guts Guide, which goes into quite a lot of detail on there. And there's also a fantastic book called Gut by a lady called Julia Enders. So if you're interested in that area and you think that maybe your gut needs a bit of extra attention, maybe get in contact or do some extra reading because it will really support your immunity, but it will also support your overall well-being as well. So that is supporting our immunity in a whistle-stop tour. We're thinking about positive exercise, just slightly increasing your movement, thinking about, you know, maybe reducing gym going if that's the way you'd be going to do more outdoor walking, relaxing, calming down. We're thinking about maybe barefoot walking and earthing if you want to. We're thinking about boosting up vitamin D, vitamin C, thinking about our protein levels. We want to look at gut health. We want to think about nourishing methods of cooking and then start to think about your sugar intake if you're already feeling down. They're not massive changes, but they really can be really powerful ones to support our immunity in the winter ahead. 
Thank you so much for listening in. I hope you found this podcast really helpful and please get in contact if I can help you in any further way. Thanks. Bye.